What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's, or should I say, welcome back to the podcast within the podcast, The Boys Talking the Boys. I'm Matt Johnson, and I would follow Starlight on social media. I'm Keith Baker, and I was really hoping to hear the Soja Boys song in this season. And I'm Austin Terry, and Vought seems to have a serious corporate culture problem. I think that's putting it mildly. On today's show, we are, of course, returning to The Boys Season 3 over on Amazon Prime. But before we discuss the ongoing adventures of Butcher and Crew, do you guys think you could blend in at a superhero orgy? I don't think I would blend in at all. Um, I think I would be trying to keep every access point on my body covered while simultaneously not making eye contact with anybody in that building. I think I would just be like the the chef that they hire, just the guy in the kitchen making all the food for them. Oh, so you want to... You want to bake some dildo-shaped cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, knowing it's going to be ruined later, um, but hopefully they're paying oh, me handsomely. it's going to be ruined. It's going to be real we ruined. We know how Keith. it's going to be ruined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like the person you really got to watch out for most at that one is uh, the Ant-Man types, as you might call them, uh, or Termite, as I believe the character was this season. Anybody that can get that small, you know that they're going to... Well, they're going to be jumping in all sorts of orifices, as we saw in the premiere episode this season. So, yeah, you really got to keep uh, everything covered up. So It sounds like you're in my camp. Just every hole you have is just covered. You got nose uh-huh. plugs, ear plugs, butt plugs, whatever you need, it's covered. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like the ear plugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in case. Just in case. You don't know what they're going to do with that. <laughs> um, well... We're already getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Uh, There may or may not be a superhero orgy in this season, uh, and I'm very excited to talk about it. But of course, let's go ahead and just get right into it with today's main topic of the show. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the first half of season three of The Boys. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go do that before listening to this one. Um, But yeah, I have to say, you know, we all three came into it with kind of varying degrees of hype, I would say. Keith kind of binged it all semi-recently and was really high on it, whereas Austin and I, we really enjoyed season one. And then season two is kind of a downer for us, not in a major way, just wasn't as good as the previous season, so we weren't coming into season three quite as excited. And I think those first four episodes really set us up for a good spot. Uh, I think you guys both liked it more than me, but I still really enjoyed it. I was just, I was worried, I gotta say. This is kind of the perfect tee up for my thoughts on the back half of this season, but man, I really like this show, but is it going anywhere? This is kind of the thing with the boys, right? It just... It feels like it, it's kind of aimless at times. It kind of meanders. It kind of just really dives into the full-on parody. But the story never quite seems to advance. Um, and that was my issue. But here we are, guys, with episodes five through eight of season three. We now have a full season. And usually I pass it over to you guys first, but I guess I might as well just throw it out there. But I think this is the best the boys has ever been. This is coming from somebody that didn't fall in love with the with the first half. but. I think the back half of the season is just so dang good that I think it's going to always make me look back super fondly on the entirety of season three. Uh, I just, I loved it. So how about you guys hit me with your thoughts on season three as a whole and obviously your non-spoiler thoughts on this back half specifically. I think looking at season three as a whole, it's the most consistently good thing The Boys has put out since its creation. I think it stays at that good level for every single episode this season. It stays very interesting. The performances stay great. I don't know if it ever etches into the great level. I think some of the prior two seasons have had like 
lots of ebbs and flows where you have some really bad episodes, some great episodes, and then and then some good episodes in between. I think this is the best season they've done. Um, I did find the finale a little underwhelming. Some of the plot lines I found a bit predictable. Um, all that being said, I never thought it ventured into that bad territory. So I think that's a win for the show. Um, I think particularly the looking at the second half of the season when Soldier Boy becomes more involved with the story, that's definitely the part that stays the most interesting. The relationships within the boys' teams, um, that's where things kind of ventured into that predictable or familiar territory for me. Um, but overall, I, I think I would look at season three as a very good piece of content that came out this year. Yeah, I think I'm just going to mimic you guys. Season three is probably my top season as well. And going to the first half of season three, yeah, it was cool to see like all these different backgrounds of Vought and um, seeing their history and seeing where these new characters came from. And then going into the back half of season three, uh, it's just cool to see what the potential that all of our boys and superheroes, villains, um, seeing the potential that they had kind of come to life now um, and some things that we were hoping for, at least I was hoping for, finally happened. Um, so it's hard to, hard to say anything else I liked about it without getting too spoily. So I'll just leave it at that. But so far, season three, I'm impressed. All right. Well, there you go. You have a range of from really good to love. So at the very least, if you go into this, you're probably going to really enjoy it if you're a fan of the boys. If you haven't started season three at all, or if you're somebody that already watched the first half and want our thoughts on the back half in more detail, we are about to drop the official spoiler warning. So if you haven't gotten into it yet, if you haven't seen the finale or just any of season three yet, it sounds like we would definitely recommend it. But I got to say, you know, we always kind of tee up our spoiler talk with like, ooh, lots to talk about. Just looking at our list of discussion points here, we have tons of big things to talk about, but then there's also some little things. But I felt like we couldn't leave it off because even kind of some of those just quick little subplots that we kind of flash to every now and again were so interesting and relevant that I feel like we have to at least mention it. So I think this is going to be a good conversation. So before we get into spoiler warning, guys, you guys have any other thoughts? Because I think this is going to be a good one. I would say if you haven't started The Boys yet, now's the perfect time. Go binge all three seasons. I agree. All right. Well, with that, we are officially getting into it. If you don't want any spoilers, this is your last chance. Let's do it. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome to Spoiler Territory for The Boys Season 3. Austin and Keith, as always, start us off with some cast and crew recap. All right, so The Boys Show is created by Eric Kreipke, who is known for creating Supernatural, Revolution, Timeless, and this year's animated The Boys spinoff, The Boys Presents Diabolical. These second half episodes were directed by Nelson Craig, who did episodes five and six, and then Sarah Boyd, who did episode seven and the season finale. And our score for the show is composed by Christopher Leonards and Matt Bowen. And going into our cast, we have... Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, Jack Quaid as Huey, Anthony Starr as Homelander, Aaron Moriarty as Annie, Starlight, Dominique McGilligott as Queen Maeve, Jesse T. Usher as A-Train, Laz Alonzo as Mother's Milk, Chase Crawford as The Deep, Tomer Kappen as Frenchie, Karen Fukuhara as Kamiko, Nathan Mitchell as Black Noir, Colby Menefee as Ashley, Claudia Dumit as Victoria Newman, Layla Robbins as Grace Mallory, Cameron Crovetti as Ryan Butcher, Katie Brayer as Cassandra, Lori Holden as Crimson Countess, and we got Jensen Ackles as Soldier Boy and Paul Reiser as Legend. And also, we got a Nice to See You award from 
Seth Rogen as Sir Comes a Lot 779. All right, guys. There's a long cast and crew there. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, I think I'll give my highlight to uh, Jensen Eccles as Soldier Boy. Um, where we last left off with the show, uh, at least on our show, um, we had just gotten introduced to Soldier Boy. So I didn't know what to expect from this guy going into the second half. I thought he played him really well. Uh, I, I liked how for the most part, his character was pretty composed, but then you can see him kind of lose his shit as he gets more angry or gets more confused or, or suffers from PTSD. Um, he definitely has a dark history. And I thought he did a really good job of, of conveying someone who grew up in the 1940s and is now in present day. Um, and I thought his interactions with Billy Butcher and Homelander were some of the most interesting parts of the season so far. Yeah, I'll also shout out him as well. And like you said, Austin, it is funny seeing him uh, portray somebody who grew up in the 40s. And I just, I, I find myself laughing a lot when I'm watching Soldier Boy because you know it's supposed to be Captain America, but he's such a douche <laughs> and such an asshole. Um, so yeah, he was fun. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to shout out Anthony Starr again. I think I shouted out him last time as Homelander. Um, once again, he, he bring, he brings it home. I mean, God dang, this guy is so creepy. Every time you're expecting something from Homelander, from Homelander to do something crazy, he does it. And, uh, just, yeah, the emotion and, um, the psychoticness that Anthony Starr brings to it is, uh, is awesome. I don't know how this guy contorts his face the way he does as Homelander, but even without speaking, there's something the way he contorts his facial muscles that are still scary as hell. Yeah, it's hard to imagine this show without him. Uh, I think on the acting side for me, when it comes to the back half of the episodes, I'm going to shout out Aaron Moriarty as Starlight and Laz Alonso as Mother's Milk. I thought they had some of the most interesting stuff going on this season. And whenever I was kind of referring to some of the subplots that maybe don't get a whole lot of screen time compared to some of the other stuff, it still felt extremely relevant, scary, compelling, like with Starlight you know, leaving um, uh, the Seven and then kind of uh, accepting the idea of being a renegade, knowing what could happen to her was really compelling and like letting the world know through social media was really interesting. And then kind of connected to that was the Mother's Milk storyline where he's having to deal with the stepfather of his daughter, who is like a zealot for Homelander. And like watching that was like really scary. I thought they both played their parts really well in those storylines. Was happy to see them get more screen time. Uh, I do have to shout out one other person. I wasn't going to, but I saw them give a quote today. And I thought this was a, an amazing quote. And I wanted to get your guys' reaction to it because I'll just read it and then I'll, I'll say why I, I liked it. So Eric Kripke, the creator of the show, I think this was a quote that he gave today, actually, whenever we we're recording this. But he was asked about like just the state of streaming. And he said this. <clears throat> A lot of filmmakers are comfortable with the idea that they can give you 10 hours where nothing happens until the finale. What I'm really making is a 10-hour movie, they say. And I'm like, fuck you. No, you're not. Make a TV show. He's taking a shot at Zack Snyder. Uh, I don't know if he is. I think he might be taking a shot at, honestly, a lot of the Disney Plus content. Maybe it's only six episodes, but I think he's kind of right. It, in a lot of ways, it feels like it kind of just meanders until the finale. Then it's like, whoa, that was cool. And you always hear the people that create them like, yeah, you know, I think even they said it with Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, we, we made a six-hour movie. And it's like, can't you just make a TV show that feels like a TV show? Like the boys, episode to episode, feels like a lot is happening. It feels like a contained story that fits in to the larger season. At the end of every episode, there's like a dynamite cliffhanger. 
And it feels like a TV show. And I feel like we're kind of losing that feeling due to streaming. So I really like that quote. I think that's the best thing you can say about the boys is, as we've talked about in the past, so they don't always maintain their momentum and some episodes are really bad, especially in other seasons, and, and then some are really good. But they do always have a cliffhanger. Every episode's got a cliffhanger. It's also a week-to-week show, which is kind of rare these days on streaming platforms. But I think the best thing I can say about the boys is every time an episode ends, I'm like, man, even if I didn't like the episode, can't wait to see what happens next week. Man, that's such a good quote. I mean, thinking back on all the Disney Plus stuff, like like WandaVision, Falcon, Obi-Wan, Mandalorian. I mean, maybe not so, I would say maybe not, maybe not so much Mandalorian. Uh, I think sometimes they have better contained episodes. Yeah. But definitely Obi-Wan and, and Wanda and Falcon. Obi-Wan should have never been created. They should have done a different story. I <laughs> See, I liked Obi-Wan, but no, that, quote's, that, that, that quote definitely nails it, though. I mean, it does feel like just one long movie where you are leading up to something at the end. Whereas, like you said, the boys, there's something at the end of every episode. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. I like it. You guys want to hear one of the dumbest statements I've ever seen that's been circulating today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Taika Watiti on his press tour for Thor Love and Thunder talked about how angry he is that Kate Bush is in the mainstream now and how we're not all Kate Bush fans after Stranger Things. He's a Kate Bush fan because it's his content that he grew up with. And he's very angry Kate Bush could not be put in Thor Love and Thunder. I mean, if you like had, hadn't like blown your load spending all your money on Guns N' Roses oh, just to, the, play, the same to play the entire <laughs> Appetite for Destruction album, then maybe you could have gotten one Kate Bush song. <laughs> so what I want to know what somebody would say to Tyke if they were like, Hi, I saw your movie and I had never heard of Guns N' Roses before, but now I'm a really big fan of it. Thank you. Would he be like, ah, fuck, fuck you, Guns N' Roses is my music. <laughs> I've also read some strange quotes after <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder came out. But anyway, a topic for another day, I guess. Yeah, I guess a quick plug. Go check out our Thor Love and Thunder episode. But let's just get into the boys, guys. It's time for our roundtable discussion. We each brought tons of good points here that I'm really excited to dive into. So I'll start us off, as always, with some general thoughts. Is there anything stand out about this back half of the season that we haven't already mentioned? I feel like usually with this show... and especially when Matt, you and I were doing our, our recap of season two, I think we always end up talking about storylines that get lost with the boys. So I just want to know if you felt like there were any storylines that didn't get fully wrapped up this season now that we've seen the whole thing. Um, I guess what I would say is I always felt like season two kind of left too many uh, threads kind of just out there, like you said, Austin, just kind of unfinished. And there's definitely some here that I would also say are unfinished. But the best thing about season three is they each of those storylines, in my opinion, got pushed like way further along to a point where I would call it satisfying. Even if they didn't fully wrap it up with like Newman, for example, the head popper, like her storyline is just left with, oh, she kind of finagled her way to become the vice president potentially. So clearly she still has a lot more to contribute to this show. So her storyline isn't done, but I thought it ended in a satisfying place. Um, kind of same thing with Soldier Boy. I, like I never expected him to actually be able to kill Homelander but kind of the emotional kind of fucked up relationship they developed made me wonder, damn, whenever he kind of comes out of cryo again, what's going to happen there? So with season two, I was kind of just like, oh, what the hell? Like they just left that open. Like that was lame. But here they got things pushed along to a good degree for me. Same with like the deep and a train. Like I was actually kind of satisfied where those stories ended up because they at least gave them screen time. So, yeah, I think I'm much happier with the state of all of our like millions of storylines. See, the one I was thinking of when I posed the question was the A-Train storyline. 
obviously he kills Blue Hawk and then him and his brother have that great scene where his brother says he doesn't want a murderer in his house. I, I was hoping to get a bit more closure with his story or I was hoping when after everything he's been through, Homelander says you need to give it a statement that says our justice is the only justice. I was hoping that would cause some growth or something from A-Train and we just we never see him after that. So that, that's the one I felt like didn't get wrapped up very effectively. I mean, the thing with A-Train since season one is like, okay, this is the moment where he's finally going to grow and change. And then he constantly does the opposite. It does feel like, I mean, I would be shocked at this point in season four if they kind of went back on this. It's hard to imagine him losing really his own, the only person in his life that kind of knows who he is and his brother. You know, I I can't imagine he would just go back to being all buddy-buddy with Homelander and the Seven and playing along. I mean- we got so many scenes of him like talking with Ashley and the higher ups, and he's clearly like not game for any of it. So I, I hear what Austin is saying about like it, it was weird to not see him after they set up that thing with Homelander, but I am way more curious with what he's going to do in season four. Whereas I remember at the end of season two, I was like, oh, yeah, is A Train going to come back? Or is the Deep going to come back? I guess they could just leave them out of the show. <laughs> so at least now I'm I'm curious and excited what they're going to do going forward. It felt a little bit more jarring to me, too, because Annie and A-Train have that moment earlier in the show where Annie even says, we always keep thinking you're going to do the right thing, and you never do. And then flash forward to her big moment in the finale. I thought that was a chance for A-Train to come in and have some redemption, yeah. but we just never see him. Yeah, sucks. He's like he's always just still hanging on to that little piece of Vought that he has left. So I guess kind of just talking about the start of the back half of the season, just for a reminder for everybody out there and you guys, we can kind of talk about where things continued with uh, episode four. Basically, the big ending was them getting Soldier Boy out from Russia, and then he ends up attacking them and Kamiko gets her powers taken away. This part of the season starts with right after that, we have Frenchie and Kimiko in the hospital, Huey revealing his temporary powers to Annie, Maeve getting captured by Homelander and Black Noir. A-Train and Blue Hawk, they kind of continue where they left off by going to that town hall where Blue Hawk is going to apologize, but then he ends up like crippling his brother and not apologizing, and it's really fucked up. Uh, And then, of course, we have Soldier Boy returning to America, and he ends up killing Crimson Countess and teaming up with the boys. And I guess when I say the boys, I really just mean uh, Butcher and Huey, who are high out of their minds on Temp V. So that's kind of where we start. Anything there jump out to you guys that you want to talk about? Yeah, let's start with uh, Billy and Huey's high on Temp V. I thought it was kind of funny how it makes you feel, like you said, high. Like it gives you like a weird like energy right away. As if I guess every superhero has that natural energy, but they all have different powers. Um, so it sounds like more like a, an addictive kind of substance like heroin in a way. Yeah, I was just surprised at how much Temp V is in this second half. In the first half, they give Butcher those three vials, and I thought those were like the the three he had for the season. It was just surprising how often they are shooting it up, and how often they're like, gotta go pick up some V, and then we'll go do this. Gotta go to the office and grab some V, and then we'll go do the mission. So it just surprised me how much Tempe like, was around in the second half. That was something I liked from the first half, just the idea of seeing what the temporary V does to Butcher and Huey for that, I don't know, 24-hour period. And then you kind of extrapolate that, like you said, Keith, and think about what it does to somebody like Homelander, who's had, you know, compound V in his veins his entire life. It's like, oh, kind of makes sense why he is the way he is. Uh, and you don't feel worse for those people, but you kind of get it because these these chemicals that these people are putting in their bodies, like they, they the people making it know it's terrible for them, <laughs> but they kind of don't care. So that was interesting for sure. Um, 
another point there that I wanted to just throw out there real quick because I don't know how much we're going to talk about them later is I did like although to Austin's earlier point I'm I feel like maybe we'll be on the same page because this is one of the storylines that I felt was kind of also super predictable in regards to the boys' dynamic. That being said, I still actually quite liked a lot of the Frenchie and Kimiko stuff that we got. It felt like what they were doing was more important for once. It often feels like they are the members of the boys that are kind of just forgotten about, kind of disregarded. They don't really have too much going on. And I really liked that we kind of finally got to see the progression of their relationship because they've always had a special bond. We got some really sweet scenes out of it. I liked seeing them come together even further later on. I liked that they actually had a huge role to play in the finale and the final battle. So I'm glad that we got to see more of them. And hell, it was fun seeing them do that little hospital musical scene. (laughs) Yeah, this was the most interesting their relationship has been, I think, in the show. Um, We were right in our theory that we thought Kimiko would like not having her powers. Um, I was surprised that she immediately tried to get him back, though. Um, That was a a nice little twist for me. And I was happy in the finale because in the second half, we were questioning, like, I thought Frenchie was the weapons guy. He's not doing the weapons thing. I I was like that we got back to him kind of being the chemist, um, being the guy making all of that nerve gas stuff. I did like the part whenever he does give Kimiko her powers back and and how they kind of somewhat quickly decide that, like, yeah, we probably I probably need these back. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of begs the question, like, it brings up the whole state conversation. Like, I don't know, whenever Maeve lost her powers at the end, do you guys think this is, like, a way for them to kind of write Maeve out of the show? Or do you think that, I don't know, two seasons from now there's going to be some crazy threat and Starlight's, like, reaches out to Maeve, hey, take this Compound V, we need your help. Like, Soldier Boy can take away your powers, but, I mean... I don't know. Do you think that's ever going to stick for these characters or are they just going to get, you know, stuck with this shit again and then get their powers back for like some crazy Homelander level threat? Maeve, I think, is out for the foreseeable future, but I could see it being a thing where she comes back in the finale finale of the show for a moment. Um, Stakes are something I want to talk about more, though, because this is another show or piece of media on our show that we're going to talk about that once again did not really kill anybody important this season. Um, a A lot of side characters on the seven died, but overall, like in the finale, nobody really ended up biting the dust that was like integral to the show, um, which did make me feel that they kind of lost some of the stakes that the show has had in the past, particularly around Homelander. Yeah. And it was kind of the goofy Stranger Things part two thing where we were like, holy shit, like they're going to kill Max too. Oh my God, that's so emotional. That's really hitting me hard right now. And I was really digging the moment whenever Maeve tackled Soldier Boy out the window. And then in a very goofy twist, she's alive, which... Some people are like, yeah, you know, she was a superhero, you know, it just depowers her. But then it's like, yeah, no, I get it. The explosion went off in the air, which means that's when she was depowered. So Maeve fell how many stories down to the ground without powers? (laughs) And then they just picked her up off the ground and she has an eye patch now. So I was, yeah, I mean, I feel like if like the death toll at the end of this episode had been Soldier Boy... Maeve and Black Noir, then we could say like, oh, okay, you know, they they kind of pull the trigger on some people. But really, it just stands as Black Noir. And I, for one, I'm sure we'll get into, was disappointed with that because it felt like they were finally setting him up to do something. And then that's when he immediately dies, which was like, oh, that's kind of unfortunate. I really thought Kamiko was going to bite the dust um, whenever she lost her powers. I thought that was it for her. And then I thought when she came back alive, I was like, okay, now they're just going to keep her without her powers. Then they give her powers back. So she went in an entirely different direction than I thought. But going back to the Temp V, though, it's kind of cool that Temp V just allows the boys to get closer to the action now. Um, and, and I like how comfortable that Huey 
how comfortable Huey and Butcher get with it. Um, instead of before, they had to keep their distance, obviously, because they're they're humans and they would easily get killed by any of these super villains, heroes, whatever you call them. I did like how they had to be a bit more creative in the first two seasons when they went into a fight with the soups. Um, I do think Huey is kind of done with the Temp V, though, just based on that moment in the finale where he had the option to take Temp V or help Annie out, and he chose to help Annie. So I think we might just be down to only Butcher taking Temp V for the future. Which I think makes sense. Feels like the right move. I was so glad that this hopefully is the end of the back and forth of the Starlight and Huey thing. I was getting pretty tired of that during the first half of the season, especially. And then I kind of excused it in the back half because I was like, well, he is on drugs right now. So I guess it kind of makes sense why he's all over the place. I, I really love the moment, actually, where he could have taken the temp fee and then instead just like fucking turns all the lights on. And she starts to like, have we seen her fly before? She starts like floating and then it cuts back to him and he has like the biggest smile on his face. I was like, yeah, let's go. That was a great moment. So I hope they're done with like that annoying, let me save you, Annie. <laughs> Did you think the team reuniting was too easy? Because it, it does happen very quickly in the finale, so we can get to our fight. And we have spent four episodes of there being a schism on the team. Yeah, it was a little bit comical, especially when it's like, how many times had Mother's Milk quit the boys this season? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then have to work with them just because of like wrong place, wrong time, where he just happened to walk somewhere and then Butcher was there also. <laughs> so yeah, I would agree. I think they actually set up a pretty realistic, in my opinion, uh, fracture between the group like you mentioned and then they were like well we have to have him come back by the end of the season so yeah that that totally that didn't always work for me like they even like what didn't they lock them in a safe in the finale oh, yeah. and then they just get out and it's like all right let's go so yeah some weirdness there for sure kind of going back talking with like you know was the boys reuniting too fast um that instantly reminded me of kind of the big plot line of the season is i think we we talked about in the first half that kind of like how I was kind of down on the whole uh, Starlight and Huey back and forth. We were like, oh, please let this be the end of the Huey Butcher back and forth. And I actually really like the fact that in kind of most of the back half of the season, the boys, if you want to call it that, is really just Butcher and Huey kind of having to begrudgingly work with Soldier Boy to take down all the former members of Payback. And once they do that, then only then has Soldier Boy agreed to take out Homelander for them. So what do you guys think of kind of this cool plot line that did take up a bulk of these episodes where it's just kind of Butcher and Huey having to unfortunately live with Soldier Boy, essentially. And then just occasionally, once he gets high enough, they're like, okay, I think he won't freak out. Let's go take down this member of Payback. And then they go off to take down TNT or the mind uh, uh, reader guy and, and stuff like that. Because I really like that storyline. What do you guys think? I thought the storyline was fun because it, it kind of got us back to the original premise in season one where they're actually hunting soups instead of just hunting Homelander. Um, so that that was good. That was familiar. And, and I did enjoy that. I did like where this led to with Huey and Butcher. It, it kind of goes back to my opening thoughts of, yes, this is something we've seen before. It's a bit predictable that they're going to get back on the same page. But this is the best I've ever done it, where you actually buy that these two do care about each other. And they don't do it in a way that makes that doesn't make sense for the characters. Like the way Butcher can show he cares about Huey is knocking him out in the 7-Eleven. And then Huey, of course, jumps back to save Butcher from the mind guy. So I thought they just did it the best they've done it um, in the show. And But I do hope this is kind of the end of, of this like, oh, we don't like each other. We like each other now. I, I hope we're kind of through this now as well. I like how they didn't have any 
like fairy tale thoughts about Soldier Boy, like, oh, he's going to be good and all that. Yeah. I, think, I like how they immediately knew, like, oh, this guy's a wild card, but let's exploit him as much as we can, while we can. And then, yeah, it's cool just to see them kind of unleash Soldier Boy on certain people and sometimes too much. Yeah. So interesting to see the dynamic that those three developed, uh, particularly with Butcher and Soldier Boy, because Soldier Boy, as I've read a lot of people say, he's really the only person in this season that uh, kept up his end of the bargain. He was willing to kill his own son because Butcher helped him kill Payback. And he actually kind of listened to Butcher a lot of the time, and Butcher kind of listened to him. So it was this weird thing that they they developed. And uh, I think Keith or one of you guys mentioned it earlier about how, like, we never feel bad for Homelander because he's a horrible person. But there are those moments where you're like, oh, there's a little humanity popping out. Uh, and in just, you know, a few episodes, I think Jensen Ackles did a great job of having those moments pop out, too. Especially when they introduced that he was Homelander's father, hearing him and Butcher go back and forth talking about their own fathers, it was like, okay, yeah, this guy's a horrible, horrible person, but uh, that's really fucked up. You can kind of get some of the mentality that he might have after becoming, you know, like the first superhero and that his dad still thinks he took a shortcut to, to greatness or something like that. So, yeah, some really interesting scenes. I, I thought Jensen Ackles did a great job. I thought it was cool to learn more, too, about the way Soldier Boy treated the payback team, because I I did buy that this team wanted to betray him. And it was interesting to see a previous superhero team who did, in a sense, betray their Homelander, whereas our current The Seven is too scared of their Homelander to try to do anything against him except for Starlight. And even though it seems like the payback team were pretty despicable people, they at least did notice that this guy was a problem and tried to do something about it, which kind of makes them feel a bit more, um, not noble, but just a bit more towards the right side of things than this new group that the seven does that really only cares about their interests and their publicity and their fame and, and all that stuff. That's what, then that kind of goes back to the, the black noir thing. Cause black noir was there with soldier boy. And I guess he kind of has PTSD from the whole thing, which is why he can't go against Homelander. He's like, okay, well I can either go against him and burn the other half of my face or I can kiss his ass and be his right hand man and live on. Yeah. Whenever Austin brought up that point, I had the same reaction too, Keith. I was like, oh yeah, I never really thought about it in that context. And I think that actually maybe makes the Black Noir death make a little bit more sense because the reason Black Noir kind of worked with Stan Edgar to orchestrate the soldier boy, you know, getting rid of him was because of the abuse that he felt. He was like, this guy is abusive and horrible and the way he makes me feel is terrible. And he, you know, destroyed my face and, you know, left me mute by damaging my brain. But when you think about it, the reason Homelander killed Black Noir is because Homelander was genuinely really betrayed by somebody that he thought was his friend. Homelander kind of treated him almost like his Chewbacca. He basically would talk to him and tell him real things, and then he would basically just assume that Black Noir was telling him what he wanted to hear. So, yeah, but that's kind of, I guess that's the reason that Black Noir never you know, tried to kill Homelander because he was like, yeah, this guy and I are, are cool. He's he's nice to me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. Now it kind of makes makes me kind of feel like, oh, maybe the death makes more sense because if Black Noir was capable of orchestrating Soldier Boy of all people's like demise, theoretically, he should probably be able to do the same thing to Homelander if he wanted to. So maybe by killing him, they remove that option from the table in the future to make things, I guess, harder for our main characters. I might be jumping ahead here, but at some point I know we're going to talk about Soldier Boy and Homelander, and I do just want to say this to kind of preface that. I was ultimately disappointed in the final fight 
that we didn't really see Soldier Boy and Homelander fight, that they were kind of more split up between Homelander and Maeve and Butcher and Soldier Boy and, and Starlight and Soldier Boy. I did kind of want to see these two go at it because I thought that moment was so cool when Soldier Boy immediately grabs Homelander's neck and almost snaps it in a second. I really wanted to see these two go, go at each other in the finale. Oh yeah, I was really hoping for it too, Austin, but we did not get that. So maybe we'll see a, res- a resurgence of Soldier Boy out of the uh, out of the chamber, and we will get that. Hopefully, I don't know. I think we will. Yeah, it was one of those things. I, I totally get being disappointed about it because it was like, isn't that what we were driving towards? But then the season kind of in that finale moment, you know, did a twist and gave me things I didn't expect at all. Which is, oh, now it's May versus Homelander. Now it's Butcher and the Boys versus Soldier Boy. That's interesting. And also, I mean, if you think about it, too, obviously the finale fight was not what we expected. And I agree with you, Austin. I think overall, the yeah, it had some great moments, but uh, could we have gotten maybe just a hint at what was going on? But, you know, whenever I say that, then, of course, I think about during the greatest uh, episode name of any TV show ever, Herogasm, we did kind of get that. And a comic book run in the actual graphic novel. Uh, We got to talk about that episode and just that event as a whole. But we also did get an incredible fight that I just could not have anticipated, which was Homelander versus Soldier Boy versus Butcher versus Huey. I mean, so if we're talking fights, I feel like that one, do you guys agree that one was better? That was better for sure. And that was one of my favorite moments of this season, Um, particularly when Huey joins the fight and Homelander kind of chuckles to himself and is like, really? Huey's getting involved and then he realizes he's on Tempe and he can hold up his fist and... I thought that moment was one of my favorite moments in this entire show. Yeah, I loved whenever Homelander uh, zapped Butcher and said, deals off, and zapped Butcher thinking he killed him, and then Butcher just comes back up and, and re-zaps him. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> He's like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> and, and talking about, ah, it's just so cool. I don't know. As a kid, you always picture like, could Captain America beat Superman, you think? And this is really that. And like they kind of did it in a cool way where, you're like, I mean, fucking Soldier Boy is going to get his ass kicked. But he he has some moments. I mean, just kind of the way he uses the shield, you know, he has super strength. Like, so whenever he hits Homelander, he's kind of like a better fighter. It's the whole thing of like Superman isn't a martial artist because he doesn't have to be. Same thing with Homelander. But Soldier Boy kind of has the moves. You can kind of catch him off guard. So it was so sick. And awesome. Whenever you talked about how does Anthony Starr like contort his face like that. I think the best single image of the season is whenever his face is being pushed into the ground and then his eyes light up and then you see his face just turn to the side and he just slowly like screams and then that's when he just throws them all off and flies into the air. It was like, oh, he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I loved what that led to later on uh, when Maeve realizes he has bruises and she's like, you've never been hurt before. That was super cool. I was surprised, though, uh, we talked about this in the first half, that we thought this might be the season where we finally see Homelander snap. I thought for sure after this episode, we would see Homelander snap. And I am a little disappointed we still have never seen the guy actually 100% snap yet. I think he was still in shock. I think that's why he didn't snap. I think he was in shock. And uh, what's her face? Newman kind of called him out on it uh, later on. She's like, you got to get your shit together. And that's when, that's yeah. when he does kind of snap. He's like, What'd you just say? Like, I mean, that's the crazy thing is that we, I don't think we ever anticipated it. It's like he is. He, I think he has officially snapped. It's just not in the way we expected. I guess we thought that he would snap. And he even mentioned it earlier in the season. Like, if you if you fucking release that footage, I don't care. I'm going to go take down all the grids, all the power, whatever. And I'm going to go to the White House, kill everybody. And I'm going to run this place. That's what I want to see. I know. And I think we will get there eventually. 
it's almost like he has snapped, but the thing, the last shot of the show shows us, oh, people still love him. And that's why he has that crazy smile at the end, because I think he's thinking, I'm fucking, I'm, I've gone crazy officially, but people still love me. They love me even more. <laughs> I just murdered a guy in public and everybody cheered for me. <laughs> so I guess in a strange way, we're seeing it happen. It's just, they couldn't have expected it to be like this. All right, guys. So I know we just talked about the fight there, but we would be remiss. We can't fully move on. We got to at least go around the horn here and just get some general thoughts on Herogasm as an event. Uh, how did this hit for you guys? <laughs> I think with the way they were marketing it, I think over, overall that was a little bit underwhelming because they were like the most shocking thing you'll ever see. And I do think they pushed the envelope as much as Amazon would let them. I, I do think they went as far as they could go. Um, I just wish I hadn't seen all the marketing for the episode, because when the credits did wrap, I was like, eh, I mean, there was long cock, which was funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it was really good. Don't get me wrong. I just the marketing kind of did uh, take away my enjoyment a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't anything crazier than we've already seen, like with the sexual stuff in the show, uh, like especially in the first season when they go to like the, the underground club where all the heroes are hanging out and dancing and doing drugs and stuff. Uh, it was kind of a lot like that. And then one guy grabs Huey's ass and Huey's like, oh, thanks. I'm, my ass is so my ass is so done for the day. <laughs> thanks, though. That's like that's the boys for you, because they did this crazy event. But then this is also where they have some like of the emotional reunions. Like this is the moment in the show where they decided to have Huey and A-Train have their confrontation. <laughs> like, um, you killed my ex-girlfriend. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this now? And it's like, yeah, so crazy. <laughs> I did like the running joke of them being like, Frenchie's going to be so sad he missed this. Oh, like, and he even time. says it. I can't believe I missed Hero Gas. <laughs> the greatest shame in my life will that be that I didn't see Hero Gas. <laughs> yeah. My greatest shame in life. I mean, the best moment of Hero Gasm was Starlight walking in and seeing the deep having sex with an octopus and then watching him earnestly later try and have bring the octopus into sex with his wife and he just pulls <laughs> it out of an ice chest next to him. <laughs> She thinks you're really sexy. <laughs> Starlight did take a photo of that and save it. And that Nothing yeah. came of that later on, though. I think it's because the Deep's wife ended up writing a tell-all book called In Too Deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into our finale thoughts and just some other random quick hits and close out here with some predictions, I did want to talk about, you know, we were just talking about twists and all that. And I think while this season as a whole had a lot, nothing... Nothing, nothing is ever going to come close to the episode seven finale where they revealed that Soldier Boy was brought into Vought essentially to do some, you know, kind of random tests. And uh, he ended up uh, coming in a cup, as he puts it. And they reveal pretty nonchalantly over just a random phone call that Soldier Boy is, in fact, Homelander's father. This was a jaw drop moment for me, I got to say. And it couldn't have gotten me more excited for the finale once they drop that. Yeah, this was the best cliffhanger of the season, I thought. Another thing I thought would lead to more, and but ultimately, Soldier Boy just decides that Homelander's a disappointment and kind of treats him the way his dad treated him. I, I would say both ways it surprised me. It surprised me that he was the father, and then it did surprise me he was still willing to kill his son in the finale. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. Definitely surprising he was his dad, because they don't really look anything alike at all. You know, Homelander's got the weird blonde hair, and uh, Soldier Boy looks more like like a Captain America. Captain America's blonde. Is he? Chris Evans is blonde. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, Keith. 
Whatever. They don't look alike. Now I can't remember either. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because I thought that, isn't isn't in one of the movies he's like he's got like a long hair and beard and he's not blonde there. It's a fluid situation, Keith. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, yes, very cool cliffhanger. Um did make me wonder though about like the ages of the other people that were involved with um with Soldier Boy, I guess in the eighties, like like um Black Noir and Crimson Tide, like how old are they supposed to be? Yeah, it's weird. As we've talked about, some characters don't age and some do. Like, you know, we saw Gunpowder on the team and we saw he was a kid during the war and then now he's an older guy. Whereas Crimson Countess hadn't aged at all. Uh, Black Noir, I think we're supposed to believe he hasn't really aged. So yeah, to be honest, I don't understand how it works. I don't know why some age and some don't. Did you guys have any specific read? I know, Austin, you said you were hoping you would lead somewhere more, but is that kind of your take that just like because they revealed like how Soldier Boy's dad treated him, like that's the only parenting style he knows, essentially? He does say it in the same breath, though, that he was like, I w- I'm sad that I missed all this. Whenever Ryan comes out and is his grandson, he's like, I wish I could have been here. So, yeah. Did you guys have any like other takes on like why Soldier why he was disappointed in Homelander? Part of me thinks he was looking for a reason to go forward with the deal. Um, cause I don't think he would really care about all the stuff Homelander's done. Like he's done all that same stuff when he was the head guy. Um, he, he does say earlier in that episode that he always wanted a son to do differently than how his dad did to him. And so I think when he meets his son and realizes he's just kind of a prima donna that just wants attention, I think that's the reason he kind of gives himself to move forward with the deal and kill his son. He sees Homelander for who he is. Like, well, shit, everybody here wants to kill you, dude. Um, I know you're my son, but. No one likes you. <laughs> in his day, Soldier Boy was beloved. So maybe he yeah. also thinks Homelander is a failure, that he has somehow let it get out that he's a monster. I, I did really like over the course of the season seeing how similar Soldier Boy and Homelander are, not just in, I don't know, kind of like in their demeanor and their reactions to their reactions to things, the way they uh, go about when somebody questions their authority. It's like they just immediately jump to violence. And I think a lot of it has to do with the whole nature versus nurture thing. like. Soldier Boy had a shit dad and a bad upbringing. Homan had a shit upbringing because he didn't have a dad. and He was just sitting in a lab all day. So it was really interesting to see how similar they actually were. I think also you could kind of take the whole Homelander breaking over the course of the season. Another one of the great scenes was him. I don't think we've ever seen them do this thing with Homelander before. Whenever he's talking in his own mirror. But then it's like the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin thing where there's two of them. And like the Homelander in our quote unquote real world is kind of talking like a human a little bit. He's kind of like, kind of down on himself. But then the one in the mirror is like the fucking like savage part of Homelander. And that was great. But then you can also contrast that to Soldier Boy's own PTSD. And it's like, damn, I mean, this is a horrible, horrible guy. But clearly, I mean, he's struggling. And that kind of explains a lot of his actions and like the whole explosion depowering thing. So yeah, it was really interesting to see those scenes and how similar they actually were. I think you're right, Austin. In another version of this season, they totally would have joined up and become become a father-son duo because they, they'd probably actually kind of get along. <laughs> I kind of want to see it, too, just to see how weird it would be, because I bet Homelander would like pretend to be like a boy or something and be like, Dad, did you see that? Aren't you proud of me? Or like Stuff like that. Um, speaking of Soldier Boy's PTSD, did, did you guys think more was going to come from that Russian song that kind of triggers him? And causes the first explosion when he's back in New York? A little bit. I thought we'd get more of those triggers, that kind of thing. And then it ultimately kind of just became that 
he couldn't control it. So whenever he was, I guess, highly stressed or he was reminded of the past or something, it kind of just happened. So I guess speaking of PTSD, uh, another one of the boys members we haven't talked about too much was Mother's Milk, who's kind of going through something very similar with his anxiety as well. Once he finds out Soldier Boy's back and Soldier Boy is responsible for many members of his own family's death, um, and then kind of watching him have to deal with that personally, but then also navigate the fact that the stepfather that he, I think, had clearly gotten along with up until this point is just uh, revealed to be into all these things that he isn't. So he's trying to, like, you know, be a dad and keep his daughter away from it. But then that's a hard thing to do in that, you know, in that kind of marriage situation. So I really loved his storyline. And while, of course, he didn't get to, like, kill Soldier Boy, ultimately, he did get to confront him at Herogasm and then be the one to kind of slap that gas over his face at the end. So do you guys have any standout Mother's Milk moments this season? I like the final moment with his daughter. Overall, I would call this a letdown after how good it was for the majority of the season. Just because in the final fight, he doesn't really get a moment other than the gas. Like, whenever Butcher starts landing punches, I think they cut to him once and he goes like, yeah. I, I just didn't get anything that like felt very satisfying for Mother's Milk in this final fight. Yeah, I feel like he kind of got the shit in the stick, I guess. Because um, he's just wanting that satisfaction the entire time and never gets it. And then when he, whenever him and um, Starlight kind of team up there for a minute and they go to Herogasm, he gets more than just shit in the stick. He gets a little jizzed on and has to change his entire shirt. That was a crazy <laughs> moment of Herogasm, too. <laughs> he gets the splooged end of the stick. <laughs> exactly. Ew. So before we start wrapping up, let's do some quick hits really quick of just, I've labeled these as loose ends that we didn't really get the closure on. Um, we already talked about A-Train, the deep, uh, obviously his wife leaves him, but we don't really know where he's at after he kills the previous nominee for vice president. Um, Newman's daughter, we never saw her again after she got compound V. And then Stan Edgar, I was shocked we never saw him in the second half of the season at least once. Yeah, I was surprised by Stan Edgar too, because I've already kind of forgotten what the whole process was going to be with him is he going to jail or is he just did Vox just make him resign or yeah i was shocked about that too i think he was just ousted from what i remember but yeah i figured we would get like one scene obviously he's going to come back in some form and i'm curious what that will be because now i think we all predicted that by the end of season three homelander would be in a position where he would need somebody like stan edgar to kind of you know protect his illegal actions from the community's eyes essentially but seems like that's not necessary now so if and when he comes back what will the role be you know it seems like mallory may need stan edgar with like testing on soldier boy and stuff i, I could see that happening yeah i'm still hopeful yeah. for something like that that team up would be interesting um yeah with the deep i thought i guess like conversely whenever i was like you know a train storyline was advanced far enough along for me that i felt satisfied by the end of it the deep i've long just accepted that he is just this goofy, ridiculous comic relief character in the show. And it works well enough for me. That doesn't excuse, I guess, the fact that he is just as flippy floppy as A-Train can be. So, you know, whenever Homelander's like, you know, go kill the VP nominee, he's just like, okay, and then just drowns him essentially. And it looks like he kind of feels bad about it, but we just don't know enough about him to really know what that means. So, yeah, that was kind of a, a loose end. Yeah, I was surprised that he looks so, like, concerned about, like, he looks so concerned about that when Homelander tells him he has to do that. I thought Homelander was, like, going to tell him he had to, like, eat another octopus or kill his <laughs> wife or something like that. <laughs> and then it's just a, a random VP he doesn't know. Like, 
you've definitely killed other people before. So I like that whenever he after he kills the VP though, he just comes up out of the water. He's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> he just kind of rolls his <laughs> eyes, like, "Oh shit." <laughs> I mean, what about Newman's daughter? Like you said, Austin, that's another shocking one that. I was I was just surprised we didn't even get like a follow-up scene. We did get clarification since we saw Frenchie administer the compound V to Kamiko, so confirmed that what he was doing to her is the exact same thing that Newman was doing to her daughter, meaning that for some reason or another, I guess Newman's daughter didn't have powers, but Newman feels that she needs to, which is kind of intriguing. That that's the one I'm most like curious about it. It doesn't bother me that we didn't see it. I just want to know where this is heading and, and why they bothered to show us this in the first half. And isn't it like always random? I guess if it isn't, I mean, Newman's such a powerful soup that maybe it's like, she's like, I'll give it to my daughter because she'll be even more powerful. And then for some reason or another, that will protect my interests. I don't know. I was thinking she wanted her daughter to have it just in case Homelander ever came for her. Maybe her daughter would like stand a fighting chance to at least get away or something. Do you think maybe her daughter already had powers and maybe she's trying to like double her powers or something like that? Maybe. I just, I guess we don't know if it works that way. We just got no inklings throughout this rest of the season. So we'll see what happens there. I guess speaking of seeing what happens, uh, lots more quick things to run through here. I guess we could stay on Newman first, but she is now the pretty much guaranteed vice president of the United States. So, and this is not with Stan Edgar's, as far as we know, his influence. So I guess the big question is, is this just her trying to secure even more power to keep herself and her daughter even more safe? Or is there something specific that she can only accomplish sitting in that VP role? I think it's a combination of things. She definitely has her own goals that she's trying to accomplish. But I I do think at the end of the day with her, all she cares about is getting herself in a position where she can get her daughter as safe as possible. I also thought this led to a great last line for this season of just, that bitch has got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun way to get you back on board with the team being together, for sure. There's something definitely evil going on with her. If she does rise to the top politically, I mean, she could do something really crazy and maybe team up with Homelander, like we were saying. And that's just it. They, they, they're going to try to run the, run the world from there. I wonder if somehow she would install Homelander as president or something crazy. Maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. I could see that. Because eventually, Homelander has to reach even more peak power than he has. And that's <laughs> the first thing I think of. So we'll see how they navigate that. Um, you mentioned Butcher there with that great final line, <laughs> which was so good. You're so right. That definitely got me hyped for more. But uh, it kind of comes with the big caveat uh, with the continued use of, com- I guess I should say, temporary V. Because Annie found out that it actually would kill you, essentially, after three to five doses. So Huey never got that far, but unfortunately, Butcher did. He's only been given a matter of months to live if he's lucky. So what do we think from this? You know, are they going to do the kind of assumed thing and find a way to cure him somehow? Or is Butcher going to be kind of on a timeline for the rest of this show's run? He'll be cured. This show doesn't want to kill anybody important. Maybe if maybe if Soldier Boy comes out. Uh, yeah, it comes back out and blows up on him. Maybe that'll take out the, the Temp V powers from his system. Part of me wants to say that eventually, like, they'll get to a point, maybe in, like, the second to last season where he does die. And then, like, the last season has to be, like, the final push to the end without him or something. But I'm kind of with you, Austin. I just, I haven't seen any proof up until this point that they'd be bold enough to do that. So we'll see. I, th- I lean toward him getting cured, but that just feels so obvious that I feel weird about saying that they're going to do that. 
as much as I love Jack Quaid as Huey, and I think he's great in this show, I, I am not interested in a season without Carl Urban in the lead as Billy Butcher. That's I fair. agree. Whoa, and speaking of the boys, I can't believe we passed over this. I'm excited that Annie's part of the boys now, guys. I'm glad that Starlight's in the mix, officially. Are they going to have some relationship growing pains of working with your partner? I mean, is this the next big fight for Probably. them? Probably, yes. I, I'll put it, mark it down, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Hey, I didn't like it when you talked over me in that meeting today. You really emasculated me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. We're just writing the lines for them at this point. There are times when Huey needs to die in this show. And that's when he's groveling (laughs) about not being the hero. (laughs) Well, Austin, to your point, they won't kill anybody too important. And even when they basically show us that they are, they pull it back just like they did with Maeve. They did the same thing. With old soldier boy himself, Mallory has put him back into cryo or stasis, whatever you want to call it. So he's definitely going to come back uh, at some point. I don't know if it's going to be next season or like you said, Austin, maybe it'll be a Maeve thing where he has to sit out maybe a season and then come back. All I know is eventually we are going to get like the one-on-one fight between soldier boy and Homelander. But besides that, I don't know what his role would be. I can't see him like turning over a new leaf or anything like that. So do you guys expect anything specific from Soldier Boy in the future? I know exactly where this is headed. Mm. Butcher's going to find out Mallory has Soldier Boy under wraps. And for the 16th time in the show, he's going to go to Mallory and say, how dare you not tell me something that I feel like I should know. I'm disappointed in our relationship. And then Mallory's going to tell him the information and then they're going to go get Soldier Boy back out of cryo. Okay. <laughs> I mean, haven't we seen this before? It's yes. just Mallory keeping another <laughs> yeah. secret. You're right. I do think Mallory is is trying to develop a weapon to kill Homelander. I think that's why she has Soldier Boy. I think it's for good intentions. I don't think it's for like control or government stuff. I think this is solely to figure out how to take his powers and make a weapon out of it to kill Homelander. It'd be cool to see if we, if Billy Butcher will be the one to use that weapon. And the question is, where does he go? Like, if Soldier Boy comes back and gets out, is he just going to be like a one-man army? Is he going to be his own subplot? Because we can't see him working with Homelander. And after the finale, I definitely don't see him, like, running into Butcher and Huey, for example, and being like, oh, you guys helped me once before, so I guess we'll work together again. Like, I don't see them doing that now. So is he just going to have, like, his own subplot going forward or something? I wonder if there's a chance Homander realizes the government has Soldier Boy and he tries to get him out to try to build another relationship with his dad. And maybe that's his way of proving to his dad that he's a man or something. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm excited. Uh, let's wrap it up then, guys. Now that season three is done, we know we have a spinoff coming, a live action one this time, uh, coming out next year called The Boys Presents Varsity. And this is about young adult soups in college that are tested in Hunger Games-style challenges run by Vought itself. That's supposed to come out in 2023. And then apparently they've said that that will have connective tissue, like I guess story and character-wise, that will lead into the boys' season four. And I guess season four will somehow address bits and pieces of what happened in Varsity. And I'm assuming that season will come out later in 2023, hopefully no later than that, maybe early 2024 or something. But regardless, what are you guys looking forward to and hoping for when it comes to the future of The Boys? Yeah, I had misinterpreted The Boys Varsity as, for some reason, I thought it was a prequel about the superheroes we already know as young adults. But it sounds like it's concurrent, so it's it's present day uh, superheroes we don't know yet. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. A Hunger Games-style deal with superheroes sounds pretty interesting. I'm sure it's going to have that typical boys, uh, dark humor, you know, dark subject matter, all that stuff. So I'm excited to see it. 
I do still think season three is the best thing they've put out. I feel like we've laid enough groundwork for season four to like finally be an all out fight between Homelander and the boys and Soldier Boy gets involved. I don't think we need a ton of like the subplots character stuff that we've gotten from the past three seasons. I'm kind of ready for just like a final confrontation between Homelander and the boys. Yeah, uh, as far as the varsity goes, I mean, it sounds like a really cool idea. I'm anxious to see how it works out with with soups in college and 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 how they facilitate that. As far as you know, are their powers being used at all in college? Are they being directed in a certain way? Are they gonna, are they going to be good? Are they trained? Are they being trained to be good and use these powers yeah. for good? Um, so I'm really interested to see how they how they play that. And then uh, going into season four. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, just want to see how this. Let's just watch a throwdown. You know, I want to see. I want to see Homelander do some even crazier shit than he did with him just killing that one protester. I, I want to see him maybe like kill some even bet like even bigger people like the president or or anybody else higher up, and then see how the boys have to take it on from there. For sure. I think with Varsity, the thing that excites me is kind of like what you said, Keith, is like, is this going to be like a Hogwarts situation where some people leave this college and they're determined to be a good guy or some leave and they're like, I'm going to be evil? Like, that could be kind of interesting. And just like the idea that there's a Hunger Games element sounds really cool. It's obviously going to be graphic as hell. Once I heard that, I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty brutal, I think. And I'm, I'm excited for that. As for season four, man, I'm just... I'm curious about the payoffs to these storylines that I mentioned being really satisfied with in season three, but I think they have potential to cap some of them off in season four. Um, Like, I mean, we know Newman's running as the VP, but the way they end season three with Homelander and his like forces, I don't know if it's out of the realm of possibility that Homelander, maybe without Newman, decides on his own, I'm just going to run for president. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that's like part of his storyline is he just earnestly runs for office or something like that. Um, and he might win, which is crazy. Uh, and then seeing the boys just react to this power struggle, just getting higher and higher and feeling like they have to do something about it before it gets to literally taking on the president and vice president or something like that. So I'm really interested. I, can't, I Like Austin said, I can't wait for the moment where A-Train finally actually does the right thing. I'm, I'm feeling good, season four. I'm feeling good about it. I know you're going to give it to me. And then other than that, I just always love the boys' dynamic. I just can't wait to see what the team cooks up and what they decide to do next. Um, Soldier Boy was their big thing. He was their weapon. They thought they had a way to take down Homelander, so now they're going to have to come up with something better. Uh, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the boys. Like I mentioned earlier, when season two ended, I kind of couldn't have cared. I was like, okay, I don't care. I have to wait two years to watch season three. But now if I have to wait two years to watch season four, I'm going to be kind of upset because I'm ready for it now. I hope Mallory is more involved in season four. I think she's a great character. I do want to see more of her. All right, guys, we did it. I feel like that's like the most points we've ever had on a docket, but it was good stuff. I'm happy with that. I think we hit it in a great way. I hope you guys all out there enjoyed it. But before I officially close out, we got to do our awards. It's time for the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is where we just take something, can be positive, can be negative from the thing that we're talking about. And it's just something that we feel deserves a little bit of a praise in one way or another. So, Austin and Keith, who wants to start me out? Yeah, Keith uh, Keith stole my thunder a little bit by bringing up the situation that M.M. finds himself in at Herogasm. But my award is the stickiest person ever. (laughs) And it's just M.M. in that scene because he is... Very sticky, and I don't know how he got all of that off of him. I have a secondary award. It's very quick. Um, it's just the uh, award. And uh, I watched Thor Ragnarok last night, 
Carl Urban is bald in that movie. Forgot he was in it. When I saw him bald, I was like, ugh. I hope he never does that again. Oh, no. Oh, man. It's funny. Um, We mentioned it earlier. I'm going to give the best book title award to the Deep's ex, now ex, girlfriend, In Too Deep. That was hilarious when when that came on. I was just hoping they would play the In Too Deep song by Sum 41. Me too. That would have been perfect, but it didn't happen. Man, you didn't hear the Soldier Boy song. I know. You didn't hear the In Too Deep song. This is just a huge letdown for you this season. Soundtrack-wise, huge letdown. Well, it was not a letdown for me. Um, you know, we talk about the greats of all time. You know, we talk about Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra. These are all people that doesn't matter what time period they came from. And it doesn't matter how many years it's been since they died. They are just some of the most iconic people of all time. And I was shocked watching this part of the season and realizing that I think Soldier Boy has to get the award for most famous person to ever live. <laughs> he said like every movie, every TV show, he's like on TV singing. There's books about him. I was like, dang, I think we just met a new cultural icon. He's just a multifaceted talent. Golly. You cannot keep this man down. He's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of their time. He's more talented than Arnold ever was. <laughs> no. Don't say that. (laughs) Arnold doesn't have the perfect aim to shove his shield in Black Noir's cranium. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, (laughs) it's not even Arnold. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not Sylvester, isn't it? (laughs) But kid. (laughs) No. Well, before we keep getting Arnold and Stallone mixed up even further, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for another episode, and this time we're talking about the Russo Brothers' next movie starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, and many more. I'll probably take a look at the cast because it's pretty good. It's The Gray Man on Netflix, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm just kind of stoked for a super fun like action spy thriller. What do you guys think? I'm just curious to see if this can actually be a Netflix original movie that breaks through. And does not leave me feeling like, man, Netflix should just stick with TV. Well, I don't know. Do you guys not like Hustle that came out? That was on Netflix. I did like Hustle. I did like Hustle. That's a good one. Hustle's good. That's like a good one out of 600 that they failed at, though. (laughs) There's been a lot of flops. their success rate there. Let's hope they're on a hot streak. (laughs) Yeah, there's been a lot of flops. But yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans teamed up in a movie together. Well, not teamed up. That's the thing I'm excited about. Well, not teamed up, but in a movie, yeah. Chris Evans as the villain, too. You guys think he's going to be blonde in this movie? A dirty blonde. I, I was corrected oh, earlier. It's dirty okay, blonde. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> You've grown. <laughs> it's not my fault Keith doesn't understand his Captain America fandom. <laughs> oh, no. I have to protect our podcast from the droves and droves of MCU fans that will come after us if we get anything wrong. Oh. Uh, they'll be all right. Uh, speaking of the MCU, last week, we put out our thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, we all loved it, so MCU fans can be upset about that, but if you want to hear our thoughts on the why we loved the latest addition to the Thor franchise, be sure to go check that out. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of season three of The Boys? Will you miss Black Noir? 
What is Homelander going to cook up next? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed The Boys Season 3 as much as us. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time with The Gray Man. And just remember, if you're in a relationship with a really great woman, don't be like Huey and just be a little bitch the whole time. Arnold is as good at acting as he is at politics. Are you sure you're not talking about Stallone? Fucking. <laughs> <laughs>